back-to-back, two in a week. It's a big deal. Yeah, we've never done two in a week before. That's a, that's a straight fact. Yep. You're with us in the back seat of our 2010 Honda Civic. Yep, and we got we got a big show lined up today. Um, it's a it's a rainy day special, which means the traffic is terrible, which means we're in the car for longer. You guys are going to get... Yeah, I guess we sh- haven't ever touched on that. The format of the show is however long it takes us to get where we're going. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, yeah. and mi- Plus or minus five minutes. <laughs> so we've got these rainy day special deep dives. Right. Just naturally. It's a beautiful thing. Right. And today, what a great topic we have to dive deeply into. Last, cannabis. Earlier this week, cannabis. <laughs> you are... You're all about bringing up jazz cigarettes. Yeah. Um, no. So we had last that conversation time, earlier, right? What? About how much you like jazz cigarettes. Like the term jazz cigarettes? Yes, yes, to yes. To be honest, I don't know if that was on an episode we released or one that we scrapped. Christopher really likes jazz cigarettes, and we haven't talked about that. But not as a thing. I don't like jazz cigarettes. I like saying jazz cigarettes. Right. At inopportune It moments. is the greatest euphemism of all time. That's pretty great. I don't know. It seems like you know. It's if you like were to, where where do you get the opportunity to say that? It's like calling heroin rock and roll penicillin. Right. Like it's, it's not. It's so uh, beyond the pale. That's yeah yeah. It's uh, a little bizarre, but it's pretty fun. I like I like the term. It is fun. I guess it's a little bit different because cigarettes are bad for you and penicillin's good for you ostensibly. It just depends on how much penicillin you. Take. I don't know. I'm a kind of I'm. I've been reading a bunch of anti-vax stuff online, and they're kind of winning me over. Nope. Nope, that's actually a lie, everybody. <laughs> they're not winning Christopher over. He is, what, trolling? Is it called troll? Yes, he's trolling you. Yes. There we go. I live under a bridge, and I ask questions. That almost sounded like a Game of Thrones quote. <laughs> it did. I've seen exactly 30 minutes of one episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, here's my review. Nah. I haven't watched any, so maybe that. maybe we just lost all our listeners. You know what? If you like Game of Thrones or Harry Potter, let me give you a great big meh right now. I like Harry Potter. That's because you're a child. All right. Or you just like to know what children are thinking, which is equally creepy in my opinion. Let's get to the point. To the point. Earlier this week, we talked about the current state of the conservative movement. Right. What's What's the, you know, final analysis? Populism. There's some, there's some disparate parties, a lot of uh, disparate movements within the conservative movement. Mm-hmm. You've got the Republican populists. You've got the uh, white nationalists. You've got the alt-right. These are all people that would be considered right of center. And Correct. then you have the greatest and latest technology in political thought, the, uh, the classical liberals, which sounds like a leftist thing. Nah, we got them over here on the right. That's right. where they belong. So this week... Or conservative. Both of those terms are pretty interchangeable there. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and I think that covers 95% of conservative thinkers, you know, are either fall into oh, one of those Hold camps. on. It's the Carl Close Call. <laughs> it's a Carl Close Call today. If you... Here it is. A new segment. Whenever something almost hits us or there's a siren, we'll say that. So that's our new thing we do. Great. Did you get it? We're getting real shock jock up in here. We're doing really good. So so back to where we were headed. Yeah. So I think that covers 90, 95% of conservatives. Sure, yeah. When you, when you funnel them into those categories, they're either in one of those categories or a blend of those categories in some way. Mm-hmm. 
But now's the fun part. Because we get to talk about the party that's gone just real buck wild. Really crazy. Uh, yeah, and I think we can get into that. Like, what does that mean exactly? Because it's... I think I think there's some people who probably look at the right side of the aisle and go, I don't know what you're talking about. Some of that stuff over there is pretty crazy. Like, white nationalists? That sounds weird. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that a little bit. It's like, yeah. very, very small, very, very tiny. Exist, it's there, but and, tiny. And all 14 of them suck. And all 14 agree. of them are the worst. Um, um, but we'll, we'll get into that, I think, as we go along. So I think we wanted to start off, like, maybe describing where... What, what we might describe as, like, the old Democrat, like Bill Clinton, right? Right. Like, what does that party look like? What does it stand for? And what's happened? Even Obama 15 years ago. Some yeah. Some of the stuff he said on record. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So this was a group of people that I think had good intentions. Mm-hmm. They generally, they generally wanted to help people. Correct. In a lot of ways, they believed in letting people, leaving people alone, which is like the classical liberal mantra. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, they didn't. They were kind of big into uh, some small redistributionary efforts, but nothing crazy. Uh, they were good with enforcing our borders. They were good with protecting America. They were generally very good with protecting the Constitution. In fact, I think there's parts of history where the Democratic Party might have done more to protect free speech than the Republicans. You know what? I'll say definitely. No, that, that's definitely true. Yeah. Like that's, that's an indisputable fact, as strange as it may sound today. Yeah, so anyhow, I the Democratic Party was not always what we see when we turn on CNN. It's really interesting where they've gone wrong. Where they've so, changed, yeah. So let's talk about the era of Bill Clinton. You have... These Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's it. This is the whole party. <laughs> yep. That okay. One. I wish. Uh. Yeah. No. So, you, I mean, like, obviously, you know, government spending, right? Essentially, it's like a focus, like, high level. It looks really similar to what we have today with, like, cons- it looks like what the populist party looks like a lot. You right? mean, like, the Republican populists? The Republican populists, yeah. It's like, we're going to put in programs that protect people, uh, the middle class, Right, we're gonna have you know if you social security is gonna be a big thing, Medicare, Medicaid, all these programs are really crucial, and important. Universal health care from Obama, right? Right. Like these are the things we're gonna do. We're gonna take money from the rich and make sure it gets distributed to people in the middle that you know are the real working class breadwinners of America. They definitely had major blue collar appeal. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I would say I would say maybe not universal health care, but at least some social safety net healthcare-based programs. Yeah, exactly. Um, at the same time, you had the fringe. You had these these wackadoo members of the Democratic Party, and they were, they were fringy, and they were treated as such, and they were pitching ideas like universal healthcare, like democratic socialism, like mm-hmm. uh, the dissolution of borders. And you have to think about that, because, like, I mean, McCarthyism was in this, like, century. Big word. Define McCarthyism. Uh, hunting out and hurting's a socialist, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, like, that. that's it. That's that's it at, like, the lowest level possible. And, and kind of along highest, with that, excuse me. there was some, you know, prove you're not a socialist before you don't get hunted down. A little, uh, what is the, uh, what's that thing they did in France? 
I'm a, I'm a the little The revolution? Today. No, that, I mean, that was one thing. The guillotine. No, the uh, Spanish Inquisition. Not even the same country. Wow, really good today. It's going to be really hard for me to get to Spanish Inquisition if we're talking about France. Oui, oui, monsieur. I think the French Inquisition is the look that the guy gives you at breakfast when he realizes from your accent that like the way you pronounce petit déjeuner isn't actually French. That's, yeah. the, that's the French Inquisition. It's like a little eyebrow, and then he spits in your baguette. Uh, so anyway so, yeah I mean so it, it, that, that's what McCarthyism is it was basically like hey are you a socialist and then it was you know of course you are a socialist because you haven't told us you're not a socialist and, but that was like Wait, yeah and McCarthyism was bad McCarthyism was bad and then it was kind of like okay we're not going to touch the okay these crazy socialists they can say what they want to say but we all know they're crazy, right? Like, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't right. play out. McCarthyism was bad but understandable. Yeah. Because we had just come off the heels of watching all of the carnage and bodies that got stacked up at the feet of socialism and Marxism. Sure. And so, sure, it was an anti-free speech tactic, and it went against some of the founding principles of America that I think continue to make it great. But it made sense why people came to that conclusion. Doesn't make it right, just makes it understandable. Sure, yeah. So anyway, but that's how we treated socialists. Right. Uh, we were terrified of socialists. And so, yeah, there was these crazy fringe socialists. There was these, uh, you know, there was the second wave feminist movement that started to have some strange circles that diverted a little bit further away from the first. There was some, um, there was a kind of a proliferation of the homosexual movement, which mm. used to be rebellious and cool. <laughs> Um, and now has become the most vanilla thing you can do. But at any rate, so you had these people on the fringe. Enter 20, what, 2012? 2008? So this is one thing. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh! Oh, guys, we had a second Carl Close call! <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, Oh, wow. Oh, they're all right. Okay, everyone's fine. Oh, <laughs> oh we need a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I need a minute. Oh, we just watched a lady next to us get hit. Yeah, yeah, that front bumper ain't gonna make it. Ooh, I'm glad that wasn't us. I would have swallowed this mic whole. <sighs> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> All right, we'll have to see how bad we clip there and decide whether or not that gets edited out. Yeah, yeah, at least maybe you'll hear it. That would be wild. Well, at least you're not tired anymore. No, I'm still pretty tired. <laughs> That's not good. Okay, um, so... Okay, my question was this, because you, you went to 2012, which is where I think, like, this conversation, somewhere around there at least, really gets kicked off in politics, right? It really, really explosively, in my opinion. Right. I think... But I where, think it is, where do you think it, like, starts? Like, how does it get into politics, this conversation? You see what I mean? You mean where does the radical left begin? Yeah, because it obviously... Because you can watch speeches from Obama, like early in his presidential career, talking about how we can't have illegal immigrants coming in. They need to be, they need to come in and go back to the line. You, you're you talking know. about when Obama still had black hair? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am. Yeah. But, but like, no, you're right. So it's, there was something changed. that happened between when he got elected and when he got reelected. Right. And so where, where do you think that, I, I, I don't think that, I think politics is a reflection of, you know, the state of America 
you know, we, as a whole. Absolutely. And it comes after that. Politics is downstream of culture. Sure. That's Lots of things are downstream of culture, but politics is one of them. Yeah. And I think you have to go back to our second episode. I think it's postmodernism. Ah, okay. I think that, these, that there was a targeted movement by uh, anti-American actors and these postmodern thinkers to infiltrate America with these ideas because the ideas of postmodernism run counterintuitive to the West, especially in their application. So I think that I think that in the you know in the early 20th century, mm-hmm. these postmodernists started taking over the universities. They started infiltrating the humanities departments. They reproduced and reproduced and reproduced until they had what is nothing short of a cabal of studentry and rising professionals that held on to these same beliefs that mm. were these self-serving ideas that let you play into a victimhood narrative in a country where you least deserve to be called a victim. You know, and I think that kind of ties nicely into that, at least that theory, because, you know, more educated people if you're more educated you tend to lean left you know it's just it's a common thing and the question is that well did you learn more ideas or did you go into a place that you know spouted off a lot of uh left ideology right Right. certainly it's certainly the case today that that um in the humanities departments dominated they're they're dominated they're actually if you if you take Conservatives and divide them by liberals, it comes out as undefined because right. there's there's zero. Or no, I'm sorry, reverse the mathematics. You divide by zero. Uh, liberals divided by conservatives is is undefined because right. there's no conservatives in the humanities departments that are statistically significant. And furthermore, from that, if you take all college professors at at all public universities, it's twelve to one. Right. So 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 here here's kind of my thought process. Here is like it seems to me because those ideas, you know, kind of lived in universities and stuff. There were things we got in civil rights. There were things we got in uh, second wave feminism, right? That I think everybody goes, those are great and good things. And then I think there's like this point where there isn't anything to restrain some of that back, right? Right. And it just continue. It's like, okay, we should have... we. People, we, everybody should have the same starting point, and we should work towards giving everybody that same starting point. Once that was achieved, we should have taken our foot off the gas. Yeah, right. And maybe we provided some programs in some places that help people. Like I, I'm okay with that in some ways. Targeted, short-term help. You know, I'm like a, sending water to Haiti. Like sending water to Haiti. Sure. Yeah, I know. I don't disagree with that. I think that the best vehicle for for social aid is is private charity. But, yeah, exactly. But I think that there's times when the government might be required to step in carefully and limitedly. Exactly. And uh, 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 limited in a time perspective, too. Right. Sure. Okay. But, but, but yeah, I, I, think, think, I think it's both those things. So, so say that this, this movement started in the 1930s, the postmodern movement. It yeah. most certainly appears to have. Um, and the neo-Marxist movement that came along with it. Mm. And we talked about this more in our previous episode. Could go back to episode two. Go back and listen to I it. think that those ideas had about an 80-year gestation period in America. Sure. And you, we don't hire a whole lot of not-college-educated um, um, politicians. We don't elect them. Yeah. And so... Not a thing. There's an overrepresentation of people who have gone through what is little more than an indoctrination process, especially more and more nowadays, and more the further we go, um, 
that have undergone this indoctrination process and been baptized in the ideas of neo-Marxism, post-modernism, which do not marry up ideologically but go hand-in-hand hand based on uh, narrative. And now we have the situation that we're in. So there's this 80-year period and sometime around 2010 uh, when Obama got elected again, highly divisive man, highly divisive president, uh, made race relations far worse in this country. At least the perception of race relations became worse because that's right. really all you can measure. Right. But then you ask yourself the very important question, okay, in a situation or a question like race relations, what's more important than perception and can you actually extract the reality of race relations from the perception of race relations? I think if you perceive them to be bad, they are bad because it's based on people's subjectivity. Correct. So, I, I think that we had the we had the kindling all stacked up, and it was placed there by the university and by the um, targeted attacks of uh, great institutions like the Catholic Church, and uh, chipping away of our ideals. And it stacked the kindling up, and a highly divisive president that used this intersectional idea of politics to set the fire. I think that's where it came from. I'll go with that. I'll I'll walk I'll walk down that road. Okay, so. What does that really result in? Like, what, what we we kind of talked a lot about, you know, the this stuff. But what these are the ideas we think that are creating some of the fringe groups on the left. But but like, how do we identify them? Like, what what are these groups we're we're specifically looking at? Uh, in my mind, like a huge part part of this is like socialism, right? Right. Uh, Democratic socialism. Right, and then really, aka socialism. Really device, really divisive identity politics. Sure. Um, like I think those are like two of the biggest groups. Uh, which one do you, would you want to start with? Uh, let's hit on let's hit on uh, democratic socialism real fast. Yeah, I think that's good. I think we've talked a little bit about this, but we could probably get into it a little bit more. So, like some democratic socialist programs are, you know, it, it's it's taking production, right? It's seizing the means of production. Right, um, and you're not. You're trying to say you're not really doing that, but you are. And that's sometimes, sometimes honestly, like like when I think about universal healthcare, man, I wish we would pick one because <laughs> like kind of doing the half song and dance is just annoying, which is what I think you got from uh, oh, Obamacare oh, and right, then exactly. the, the limp-wristed repeal of Obamacare. Yeah, it's like now we're kind of left with this really expensive healthcare that doesn't really take care of people the way we'd want it to and we're well, not getting to be fair premiums are on the way back down but oh, okay that's good to know yeah but but still like we're way overpaying for healthcare in america and i'm kind of going off on a tangent i'm gonna bring it back sure but but the point is like you know it it's providing very robust safety nets for people it's every it's providing it's seizing more and more um Industries underneath the government having them provide them. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, the idealized version of you know Obamacare is exactly that. And a lot of the times we look at like Scandinavian countries, they actually get pretty annoyed at that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Scandinavian countries. Uh, here's just a, a sticky note for you leftists listening. They are not. Socialist. They get really mad if you call them that. They, they are a capitalist or mercantilist system that's Correct. propped up, that props up rather, social spending. Right. And social safety net programs. But I think I think we see a lot of things in them that we would see in 
uh, democratic socialist things, such as like extremely high tax rates on the rich. Sure. Uh, extremely high tax rates on extremely everyone. high, yeah, on everyone. But you receive you also a see lot a bunch of benefits of, from the government. You see a bunch of classic democratic ideas too. Um, for instance, racial homogeneity. Correct. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. No, no, it's it's that is a huge thing. Like the best, the most effective places are in places where like. I'll everyone, say demographic, uh, not demographic. Cultural homogeneity is the right thing to say. Yeah, because because like people people of a similar culture take work on the same way, right? Right. And you like don't have to think about that too hard. Like, do you work as hard as some? You know, like, do you, here's the thing. Do you think Asian people work harder than most other people? The answer has to be yes, because they're getting way too many PhDs. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, yes, they're, they outperform. Asian women outperform almost every other demographic in America. Correct. So. By by a good margin. Um, and, and hey, by the way, they get rewarded for it too. Right. So the thing is like. They're the most prosperous group in America. Right. So, by the stats. So democratic socialism, or places where we think democratic socialism is taking place, rather, the places where it happens best is when everyone is on the same page as far as their culture, their identity, their heritage. Which America. But, but let's be clear, not that's not democratic socialism. But that's either. not democratic socialism. That's, at all. that's where we see some of these ideas that the democratic socialists like to point to. Right. Right. Let's move on real quick to this other idea. Sure. So we, we kind of that's one of the one of the earmarks is democratic socialism. One of the other ones I would say, and you brought it up, is intersectionality. Oh yeah. Intersectional thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is basically a, also heavily pulling from our discussion of the postmodernists. Is these people view all interactions between two humans as a power inequality, yes. and that the way you resolve it is. You you erase the power inequality. Right. Basically, conservatives, real conservatives, we love equal equality of opportunity. We want everyone to have the same opportunity. We don't want everyone to same have the same outcome. That's a democratic socialist debate. Right. That everyone or or talking point is that everyone should have the same outcome. We should right. redistribute the wealth. In America, we propel ourselves forward by wealth inequalities. The idea that you can work harder and then make more money is what makes new products come out. Right. It's why we have 17 iPhones come out every year. Right. And you know what? We love them. Everybody loves them. Way we have the entire encyclopedia of the the collected human knowledge that is in existence in our pockets. And we did not have that 12 years ago. Right. You know? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And it's it is because Apple is a Fortune 10 company. <laughs> That's why. It's because they figured out, hey, if we work really hard and have a good idea and give the population something they want, hey, guess what? We can make a crap ton of money and have, I don't know, golden golden yoga mats to die on. I don't know what Steve Jobs does. Here's a really good thing to think through. Uh, you kind of jumped into socialism a little bit there at the end. Or democratic socialism there in the end. We sure, can get sure. Back, we can get back to identity stuff. But like, right? Here's let me the deal. let me hotwire d- that d- back real fast. My point in saying all that is with the intersectionality piece is so they see this disparity in outcomes, and instead of assuming that hard work might have had something to do with it, they assume it's oppression and sure. tyranny. Sure. Yeah. And, and the way you determine if one person is oppressed and the other person is tyrannical is by their immutable characteristics, such as sexuality, skin color, uh, gender, gender identity, sexuality, I already said. But but these different things that separate us. Yeah. Um, Race, going, religion, creed. Kind of going back to the other thing, just for a second. Yeah. Do you really think Steve Jobs would have worked <laughs> as hard as he did 
if there wasn't a huge pile of money at the end of that? And also, do you think all those people would have worked for him as hard as they did with him yelling and cussing them out all the time if there wasn't a huge pile of money at the end of that rainbow? No, obviously not. And that, that that's the Millennials thing. definitely wouldn't have. They can hardly take constructive criticism. So, and that's the thing. So, like, the real, the real, pe- the real thing to this is, like, democratic socialism is really good for distributing what we have right now. Right? Sure. Capitalism is really great at creating new opportunities and new productivity that doesn't exist. Right. And you need, and here's the real truth you need a balance between those two. And we've lost that conversation. We'll come back to that, I'm sure. Uh, I disagree entirely on that last point, but we can get into that. No, no, no. I mean, like, that, that means that, that, that's pretty simple. Like, you don't, you don't want to have uh, an environment that totally abuses workers and, takes away all their ability to negotiate oh okay right like it's more it's more cultural than i think but i I wouldn't say that that's democratic socialism then i would have a different definition of that which we can get into but let's keep trucking along for now but my point is that no no no. i was saying we need to have we need to have we have the conversation between those two two poles such as we need to have a productive society but we also need to have a society that you know doesn't send seven-year-olds to the coal mine exactly okay i agree with you there exactly so what i Here's my bottom line on socialism and intersectionality. One, intersectionality looks at people as groups and not as individuals. Look at people as individuals. That's what the West figured out. Sure. Is that's the way that you have to treat people. And as we continue to look at these intersectional arguments where we fraction... We, we fractionate people into these smaller oppression categories and then we try and measure the oppression categories and see which ones stack up the highest and therefore who has the most moral authority to to tell us what, how we should be and what we should do. Um, we, we continue to break them into smaller groups until eventually we'll realize that we just have to start treating people like individuals again. And then the 99999 on the arcade machine scoreboard will reset to zero and all the far leftists will become conservatives again. But I don't, I actually don't think that's going to happen. But, and you know, you have people, you have people like, uh, Oh, who's the guy um, in the monk debate who was debating Jordan Peterson and Stephen Fry. Oh, I don't, I do not remember. He's a reverend. uh, He's a black reverend. And, uh, you know, basically, Jordan, in a in a Krav Maga style linguistic attack, said, "How much? What percentage of my current attainment is due to my is due to my privilege? And should you inflict attacks to to remove from me my privilege?" And his answer was, "Yeah, it sounds like a good idea to me." He actually swore. He said, "You're talking some good s right now," is what he said. And so, anyhow. This, this is a real idea. It exists out there, and it is prevalent. Uh, the, the reverend, he's a reverend and a pundit. Um, I, I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. The part of that seems insane to me is because, does that mean if I'm in a job as, you know, white male? Yeah. And the same individual is in that job of any minority category, we should be taxed differently? Yeah, you should be taxed differently. And here's the other thing that it means. Let's say that you're making the same money. Like I have, a, I work with, a, for instance, I work with a, a black woman that I adore, um, and I won't say her name because she would be appalled. <laughs> but I adore her. She's one of my favorite people. She's really intelligent. She works really hard. She's really fun to be around. I can't say enough nice things about her. She makes a little bit more money than me. Nice. Right. Here's the problem. If I owe a tax. 
to to redistribute some of my wealth back to people who were say oppressed, then she doesn't deserve that position. Yeah, that sounds weird. If if let's say you're making the same money as a black person as a black person that you work with, if you make the same amount of money, it means that you deserve it and they don't. Because they ha- you have to take more money from you. Right. To justify you having that job. Right. Well, that means that there's a higher bar. Uh, for, I'm, uh, the math gets confusing a little bit, but let's say it. Let's say it this way: if if the company is willing to pay you um, X amount, and they're willing to pay them uh, X plus seventy for that job, but then you're giving away a hundred dollars in your oppression tax because that's the percent that you attained because of your skin color. Now there's a $30 spread between how deserving you are and how willing they are to pay you for that job accounted for your your oppression or your or your lack thereof. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's it's a nasty way to think about people. It's a nasty way to think about people and that's why when you have these things like the implicit bias training at work and it makes race relations worse, the reason is because it's saying like, "Hey, they didn't deserve, and right. I did. I had to work harder to get where I am, and they didn't have to work as hard as I did. Right. They don't deserve it, and it's a sick way to look at the world. By the way, I don't believe it. I don't think that's true. Right. But if you practice these policies, especially in 2018, we let's leave the historical debate aside for a bit. But it's, in 2018, these these um oh interesting move Nissan. These um uh ac- what is it action. Some blank action. I have no idea. Affirmative action policies. Oh, okay. Uh, they they lend to an environment where people are like, well, you're, I know why you're here. Affirmative yeah. action. All right, so so let's put a pin in that because we kind of discussed the fringe left. So we started the conversation by talking about what the classic left believed and yep. how a lot of it was good. Yep. And then we talked about like these fringe left ideas and how they get so out of line, the intersectionality of the democratic socialism. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that part it's generally postmodernism and wrapped up in postmodernism is the mob mentality because we see each we see ourselves as a victim of our oppression group and not as an individual in the society. So we probably want to talk about like some examples of that actually happening. Well, now here let's do that right after I make this point. Okay. The sure. second the cuz now we talked about the past. What does the current left look like? And we got we alluded to that a little bit talking about Obama's presidency and his second election. The fringe has become mainstream in a serious way. That's that. I think it's evident. I don't think you can look at, at the politicians and the media coverage and the the thought leaders of the democratic movement and not see that these ideas have become mainstream. Yep. The idea of intersectionality, the idea of mob politics, the idea of uh, heightening the rhetoric, the idea of democratic socialism, and the the general adoptance of postmodernism by one of the major political forces in America yeah. has uh, uh, it the fringe and extreme has become left uh, mainstream. This is evidenced no matter what the the fairy on Vox says. I'm sorry, I called him a fairy. That's hate speech. Just kidding. I'm not sorry. Uh, what I don't remember his name. I don't even know who you're talking about. He just did this long video about how um, about how the right is the side that's getting more extreme. And he presented none of his evidence. He showed a chart that some that some po- political scientist made up who has been he's highly contentious in his reporting and his data gathering. I'll put okay. it that way. That's a nice way to put it. Okay. He just showed a chart and says, look, the bar gets further away on the right. And it's like, 
you go and look at the actual sources, it's like no, not at all. Okay. This is, let's let, okay. Yeah. Let let let's let's dial in just a little bit. Yeah, here. that's what I'm saying. So like, there's a, there's a the report out by um, you know who it is. We no, 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 no. I want to I want to dial in a little bit more on like. So here's the we thing. will in just a second. But but the the branching point is that there is evidence that shows that the ideas that used to be on the left are now becoming far on the left, extreme left, are becoming mainstream, and they're becoming adopted, and the numbers of people that subscribe to extreme viewpoints are growing on the left Okay. in a major way. Okay. So anyway, go ahead. So what I want to, what I really want to do is I don't, I, I think we can show stats, graphs, and those can get sliced and diced a hundred different ways. I think the real thing here is to talk about specific examples from people in the media and politicians that clearly show that not only can you say certain things that are what we I would think would be extreme positions on the left and you're totally fine mm -hmm. and you can get away with it, but you're applauded for it. Sure. Um, I think that's I think that's a pretty good place to start. So let's do it. Let's do it book report style. Okay. So here's our thesis, um, or you know we'll we'll use the different the different um, points that we just brought up. How yeah. about mob politic? Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. How about Maxine Waters? Yeah, that yes, exactly, exactly. Maxine Waters telling telling people a congresswoman. A congress. You're right. A, sorry for a a congresswoman. A congresswoman telling people harass Republicans at gas stations, harass Republicans at restaurants, harass Republicans uh, where they work, and don't don't let them forget. This is a real thing she said. I'm paraphrasing, but she said it to a group of her followers and. Get, how did the left react? Well, they st they kicked Ted Cruz out of a restaurant for being Ted, Ted Cruz and didn't right. let him and his wife eat there and actually bullied his wife, got in his wife's way. This has been happening, like, a ton over the past couple of months. Like, yeah. Even as far, like, I remember, uh, who's the speaker? Not the speaker, the... Now it's Pelosi. No, in, um, uh, the press secretary. Oh, um... Something Huckabee, right? My, I feel like I'm totally off. Huckabee... No. But the press secretary was just like... was like S Sanders? No, 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 no. She was like... Oh, you're driving me crazy. I know, me too. She was kicked out of a... Uh, she was kicked out of a restaurant, you know? Yeah. And, the, like, in between that and Ted Cruz, Maxine makes this comment, which is just so wild that that would be considered, like, appropriate from... A politician to say something like that, and an elected person, like not calming down the rhetoric at all, ratcheting it up and saying, "Please harass people." What about their left support of Black Lives Matter, who is a terrorist organization? Well, we can get into that later, but there, there's no question about it. I think you have to. I think you have to be careful with that. Certain I, I'm saying, segments of of that group, no, because there is no B, hierarchy. BLM as it is organized, and you're right, the organization is is cell based. Yes, but so, as it is organized, is a terrorist organization. Antifa, terrorist organization. How, Last wait, night... So, well, hold, hold on, hold on. I've got to go back. Black Lives Matter is considered a terrorist organization? What's your evidence for that? The the tactics that they employ. Some of the cells, the tactics they employ are terrorist-like. I, I That's the only thing I would go with there. That, fine, you can, you can say that if you want. Okay. At a certain point, if you don't defend your movement, it's not your movement anymore. Yeah, I um, get that. But they're, they're, it's almost unfair to call... It's like... It's like this segment is a thing. This segment is a thing. This it's based is on it. It's based on how they act. I, sure. I, I, I don't 
care to be, I mean, we can be hyper granular and there's probably individuals who have called themselves members of Black Lives Matter for a certain point in time. I just like that, to talk about the individuals, Christopher. That's fine. <laughs> and I, I think that's, I think that's a fine thing. Although in politics, we do have to generalize. Sure, sure. Um, and, and generalize based on people's actions, not on their immutable characteristics. There's a huge difference. Do at me. I want to shut you down, you ignorant fool. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, um, Antifa. Just a, it was either last night or, or the night before. Gathering outside of Tucker Carlson's house. Tucker Carlson, the pundit on Fox News. Right. Chanting. His wife was the only one home. They cracked the door yeah. because they were beating on it. And they were chanting, uh, we know where you sleep at night and we want to fight. They were also chanting... No borders, no walls, no USA at all. This is Antifa. Right. And you have open support for Antifa by members of the liberal the liberal political elite and the liberal media elite. Well, you have... Open support of BLM and Antifa. Before that, you had um, uh, the 99 versus the 1%. Uh, Occupy. Occupy Wall Street. Right. You had hands up, don't shoot. Based on a lie. Right. Um, Don Lennon talking about uh, Antifa was defending them and saying, you know, like, well, they're fighting fascists, so they're good people. And it's like, really? Wrong. What? What, what about? What about Charleston? Was it okay when you know uh, a racist monster ran over a poor woman? Like, because, absolutely not. Because she was a because she is whatever political class you want to call it. Absolutely not. And, and, like, and one of the one of the black marks on tre- President Trump's presidency so far was his his not calling that out his unclear language on disavowing. Right. That. I, I, think, uh, I think the other one would be when he soft pedaled David Duke. That, both but, of those are horrifying and disgusting. How about how about a more recent example? You just had the guy with the the MAGA guy who sent pipe bombs to everyone. Sure. How quickly did every member? Of the Republican constituency disavow that action immediately, immediately, <laughs> immediately, immediately, and yet you have BLM threatened to bring a pipe bomb to Tucker Carlson's home, and Don Lemon and a bunch of blue check marks on on line. Uh, that blue check marks is a Twitter thing for you old folks. You have a bunch of blue check marks online and a bunch of a bunch of uh, news pundits saying, "You know what? He had what's coming to him." Yep. Yeah, like maybe he shouldn't make people afraid. Michael How about Iglesias. this? How about after the midterms, you have hashtag white women talking yeah. about intersectionality? We'll, yeah. we'll move over to, from mob politic to intersectionality. Yeah. They say we, we, you know, us women got to stick together. The hashtag white women trended on Twitter, where you had a bunch of Democratic blue check marks saying in the most vile terms you can think of to screw screw you white women, you screwed it up again, and I'm censoring them heavily turning their back immediately on the idea that women should be independent that women should think for themselves and women should be empowered based on what they what they think like believe all women until they disagree with me or women should be independent unless they don't think exactly as i do the intersectionality debate that's based on these oppression groups they throw it away immediately when you don't support their causes it's a power struggle it's a grab for power and the instant that one of the the a black person doesn't fit in line with that jackbooted um ideological lockstep all of a sudden they're an uncle tom or you're a hashtag white woman it's disgusting and it makes it clear that these people are operating from a point of a postmodernist power inequality and not any kind of logical rational consistency um I, 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 I hear you. I, li- I like to point out figures that are doing this because I feel like, I feel like when you take stuff that people say online, like I don't, I don't take like Kanye West's opinion on anything super seriously, except for hip hop. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he he probably knows what's going on there, right? But like one of the things like one of the things I think that was just and there's a lot of stuff that you could talk about Brett Kavanaugh, but I'm going to go back oh, to to in the, in this regard, but I want to go back to um Don Lennon talking about Lemon. Oh, thank you. Uh, talking, <laughs> Don Lennon's funnier, though. Don Lennon is pretty funny. <laughs> talking about... Uh, so after the... There were a couple terrorist, terrorist attacks carried out a couple weeks ago by uh, what is fair to say is right-wing extremists. Uh, both the pipe bombings and the um, uh, the attack at the synagogue. There's right? no evidence that he was associated with right-wingers. Who are we talking about? The one that shot up the synagogue? No, 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 no. There, There is... Uh, it was anti-Semitic, but he and he was talking about it from. Uh, th- there's evidence on that. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but no, that was a. Okay, what? Well, he was definitely not left-leaning. Let's put it that way. Like, uh, uh, I'm not positive about that, but no, no, he like that. That was that was that was confirmed. Like he he had. He, I can't remember how it all came out, but I I can dig back into that. I I. I I'm yeah, 100% positive he's he's on he was a right-wing extremist. Okay, that's not what I read. I I know that that was reported initially and I thought it was disproven. No, I I think that's incorrect. But okay. but let's let's just put we'll a We'll check in the that. evidence we'll on check, that. We'll check we'll we'll look into that, but uh it, it doesn't matter cuz I think when his when he when this when this quotation went out, I think I think we all thought it was a right-wing person, and so that that kind of matters in context. Wow, and a way to treat him like an individual. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> so, like, the... Uh, um, but he was talking about, like, you know, the number one group committing uh, domestic terror events in the United States is white men since, obviously, 9-11, right? Like, sure. obviously, 9-11's not counting that statistic. And he was saying, like, the number one threat is white men. And then, I, I don't think white men are under attack, and I don't believe any of that crap. I think that I think that I think that's a little alarmist in some in some ways. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it, they're definitely the only group that it's acceptable to attack. That that's fine to say. That doesn't mean we're under attack. Yeah, that's fine. But but the thing I think that was change that conversation to this way, like. Black men commit, you know, more than fifty percent of the homicides in the United States. While, while they're only seventeen percent of the population. Well, you don't even need to say that, Christopher. But what I'm trying to say is, like, they commit, they've committed most of the homicides. They're the threat to America. Excuse me. Where could you say that, and it would be okay, or plausible, or decent, or respectable? And it's just like. But it's true. That's a true statistic. That's a true. Well, it's also a true. It's not part of my, what I'm trying to say. It's a true statistic also that that white men are committing most of the domestic terrorist attacks, right? Sure, that, that's also fair. It's, what I'm it, saying both is fair statistics. But the minute we begin to point one out that doesn't line up in with leftist ideology, we have a huge issue. And the minute we yeah, that's racist. And the minute we do. It's not a problem. It, you know, it it, it 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 that's the problem with the other side. And so it's just like. Man, that's disgusting because it's like I, I have I have a huge problem with with uh, white men committing to domestic terror attacks. I have a huge problem with you know homicides being carried out by you know black men. We need to help those people and find out why that's happening. And if we can't exactly. have an, if we can't have an adult conversation on why that's happening and not point fingers and while we're going through it and actually get to solutions and issues. We're not doing what we need to do in our politics. It's not achieving Absolutely. the goals we need it to do. 
It's not achieving the goals we need in our culture. And that that's what... You're 100% correct. And yeah. the reason I was saying that that statistic is true because I also believe with you. I yeah. was just kind of thinking ahead to your point. I believe as you do, that we have to have these conversations that feel dirty because yes. they help us solve the problems. You're not going to get better if the doctor can't diagnose you. You know, we have to figure out what your cancer looks like before we can we can treat it. So you're exactly right. We have to be able to say these things, but the tactic of the left right now, and we've talked about the intersectionality and where that gets nasty. We've talked about the mob politic, where that gets nasty. Uh, we, we've touched on democratic socialism a lot. We know how that gets nasty. The answer is Venezuela. But hmm. But let's talk about maybe the, maybe where all of this culminates, their tactic that pushes all of this forward, their anti-free speech. If Hunter was to say, quote, that true statistics right now to a majority of the leftist community. If we had more listeners to those podcasts. They would say that's racist. Yeah, sure. If I would say that, you know what? On average, women earn less than men because they're less agreeable than men. Or I'm sorry, they're more agreeable than men. And they don't demand higher payment. That's sexist. How do I know that that's true? Kathy Newman said it to Jordan Peterson. Yeah. That, live on yeah. television. A, a leftist said it live on television. And, and a leftist with a platform, too, not not just a nobody. Right. They they use these epithets, epithets to shut down free speech in the exchange of not only true but necessary ideas. There was a Democratic Party 20 years ago that believed in free speech and fought alongside conservatives for it different ideas on how to get to the best country that we could be but still adhere to those western ideals that made us strong yeah. and that's not the party you have anymore and it's not the extremist it's being mainstreamed and that is incredibly dangerous the identitarian movement is not only ignorant it's deadly it is deadly I think conversation in our politics should be something like this. We want to keep things the same. We want to make things better for, you know, for everyone. Okay, where are the places where that needs to happen on both sides? And the more we have this conversation of extremes, and we can't do anything but what our side wants, and we can't do anything but what your side wants, we're not behaving civilly anymore. And when we're not behaving civilly, we run out of words. And when we run out of words, we lead. We, we head towards violence. We're and not there. when you actively try and remove words as well. Yeah, exactly. I, And I think that there's one party responsible for actively trying to remove words. So, yeah, the conservative party. Let, we, we, I'm not hey, a big, we definitely had our fair share of doing it before. Like, oh, oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. let's talk about right now. Sure, okay. The new classical liberal. You know what? On the conservative side, sure, you've got your populist. You've got 17 white nationalists. You've got the alt-right being trolls online. But you have this core contingent that is really, really focused on Western ideals and the things that make us different from Russia, okay? Yeah. You, you don't want to move to Russia right now. And look at the taxes in Norway. You wouldn't very much like it over there either. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have this group that is mainstreaming the idea that we should shut down speech at the expense of feelings because of a tyrannical, patriarchal society. Cool. Wrong. There's no evidence for it. So in all the ways that we were critiquing the right, the left is the is the party of greatest defense in today's America by a long shot. And we got to figure out, to Hunter's point, we have to figure out how to communicate again. And I, I hope it happens soon. Cool. Put a pin in that one. There is a lot in there, yet again, that I feel like we could go into more detail about. But that's, 
I don't know if you notice, guys. I'm a little detail-oriented. So we'll see what happens. That's why the podcast is weekly, Hunter. That's why the podcast is weekly, so I can't talk to you for too long. I'm only good at small doses. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me at Emotional Carl. You can you, follow Chris at... Chris X Carl. Follow the show at Carl Pooling. I've added a contact section to our webpage, so the link to subscribing on iTunes is there. Drop us a rating and a review, and we will perform... Uh, one favor of your choosing that is uh, Christian in nature then uh, also on the website you can get our email it's at carl or carlpooling at gmail.com so send us an email hey we haven't gotten any emails yet I'll be forthright about that send us an email right now it's definitely going to get read on the podcast even if we have to uh, censor it greatly yeah if it's all four letter words we'll have to make that work well I'll have to make that do Um, and uh also, we're, we're working on the little About Us section there, so make sure to go check that out. You can listen to the episode straight from that site. I think that's all we got. All right, until next time, drive safe. Thanks for listening.